Well, good morning. A little bit better, I think. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Oh, man. We're going to try this one more time. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. All right, thank you. Hey, we're going to get started with the message today, and the message is titled Real Men or Real Man. And what does it mean to be a real man? Now, you're probably sitting here, and I want to put this disclaimer out there, that while I am focusing mainly on that of men today and in what it means to be a godly man, these same principles will also apply to that of women as well. And so, but, you know, it is Father's Day, and I want us to focus on what it means to be good fathers, to be good men of God. I want us to do exactly what it is. I'm asking you to join me today as what the recruiting posters say in looking for a few good men to join me in becoming a real man. You see, the, re the message, the reason behind this today is that I can look out into the church and we can see here today, look at the empty seats. The church is lacking for men to be in church. On Mother's Day, there wasn't a seat to be found. On Father's Day, we have in every service too many empty seats. You know, not as just a church at Salem Fields, but as a church as a whole in the world, we're struggling to be the men of God that our church is asking us to be. We're struggling to be the men of God that our community needs. We're struggling to be the men that our nation needs. We're just struggling to be the men that God designed us to be. We're taking more likely the viewpoint of the worldview of what it is to be a man. So just listen to a few statistics that I was able to find this past week on what it means to be a, a man of and the importance that it plays in the spiritual development of the family. If both a father and a mother attend regularly worship services, 33% of their children will also attend church on a regular basis. 41% of them will attend on an irregular basis, and one quarter of their children will end up not practicing um, any type of religion or going to church at all. If the father is an irregular attender and the mother attends regularly, only 3% of the children will subsequently become regular themselves, while a further 59% will become irregular and 38% will be lost completely. If a father is a non-practicing uh, participant in going to any services and it's just the mom that comes to church, only 2% of the children will become regular worshipers. And 37% will attend on an irregular basis, leaving up there to the 60% of the children that will be completely lost to the idea or the concept of church and a relationship with God. But what happens if this all reverses? What happens if a father is a regular attender, but the mom is an irregular attender or doesn't attend at all? The amazing thing here is that the percentage of children becoming regular attenders goes up from 33% to 38% that irregular attenders goes up to 44%. This suggests that it's the father's commitment. It's the father's commitment that leads the way for the family to come and to worship. In short, if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful the wife is, only 50, one in 50 children will become regular worshipers of God. That's one in 50 children. If a father does not go to church, if a father does go regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will become churchgoers. 
One of the reasons suggests that it's a distinction is that children tend to take their cues about domestic life from mom and their concepts of the world outside from dad. We have an impact on the lives of our children's dads. We have an impact on the lives of children, men. It's time for us to man up and become the real men that God's called us to be. You see, it's the essential role of a father to be a spiritual leader. The world would argue that wouldn't be true fatherhood. Fathers are to love their wives as the church loves the, Christ loves the church, modeling their love for their father in the most important earthly relationships. Fathers are to care for their children as our Father in heaven cares for us every day. And finally, fathers play the primary role in teaching their children the truth about reality. It is the father who should instruct his children, not the world. But yet, we allow the world to instruct us, therefore we allow the world to instruct our children and our families. It's time for us to man up. You know, fathers and husbands and men, we need to change the way we're leading our lives. The way we lead our lives has a direct impact on how the family goes. You know, I love this song the band's going to sing here in just a little bit. It's called, by John Mayer, it's called Daughters. And I love that the fact is, is that how we love our daughters, fathers, how we love our daughters will teach them how they should be loved. And then how we treat their mothers will treat, show them how their mothers, when they're mothers, they should be treated. We have that role. Listen to this song. Daughters, daughters of love like you do. 
become lovers to turn into mothers to mothers we get to your daughters too boys you can bathe you find out how much they can take but boys will be strong boys hold your own would be gone without the warmth of a woman's good, good heart. On behalf of every man, looking out for every girl, you are the God in the way of her world. Speaking to your daughters, daughters will love like you do. Girls become lovers, you turn into mothers. Some mothers be good to your daughters, too. Some mothers be good to your daughters, too. Some mothers be good. To your you know, I love the one phrase in there where fathers or men are like the God in their daughters' lives. You know, we're like the heroes of our daughters' lives. You know, I was able to get a, my, my children are up uh, in Northern Virginia um, competing this weekend in a swim meet, um, but Gracie um, gave me my Father's Day gift yesterday. And um, it was this homemade card, and um, it said to my dad, um, my U.S. United, my United States Marine, um, my hero, I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. You know, and, and, you know, to be the hero of her life, that's a big responsibility. To be the hero in our children's lives. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't have children, but that doesn't mean that you can't have an influence over that of children. You can't, that doesn't mean that you can't still man up and be a man of God that, that displays that maybe in the child's life. Maybe there's a child that's fatherless and, and they need that example. And that's our job, men, as men in the church, to be exactly what it is that God calls us to be. You see, I wrote out this little story about this fictional character named Wayne. And Wayne is a 30-year-old man that believes that he is the realest man because of the great success that he has with this great job and that he's married to this beautiful woman named Carol and has three great children that are successful. And his success, his success is based on the worldview of what it is to be a real man. You know, he just thinks that he's got the world by a string because of all that, of his success and all that he's done and all that he's gained. But slowly, he does it without him realizing it, he's losing everything that he ever gained. You know, after one night, he had an argument with Carol, and on that night, he decided to go sleep in the guest room. And that happened for another 20 years. And one day, he came out of that guest room realizing that everything in the house, his wife, his children, his, his successful job had gone. Because he had put his value in being a real man on the things of the world rather than what it really means to be a real man. 
he asked himself, how did I get this, to this point? How did I get to this point? How is it that I allowed myself to get down to having nothing? When he came and he looked at it, it was a realization that he kept God out of the equation. He'd focused so much on what it means to be a real man based on what the world shows us, based on what we see on the football commercials, the, the, the Budweiser commercials, the things that are going on. That's what makes us successful. I mean, that's what the media tells us. You know, I'm going to kind of go through a list of things that I believe that, that the world would say defines a man as being successful. And if you have these things, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having these things, but it's a matter of where your heart is with these things that you have. You know, to be a successful man, we grow up, we think, hey, we've got to have this great paying job. When we've got a high paying job, boy, we're successful. We're a real man when we can provide for our family with the job that we have. You see, but before long, we start to possibly put that job before our family. We start putting that job before our family 100% of the time. Maybe scheduling extra meetings. Maybe, maybe taking a little bit longer at work just so that we can try to look good for our boss so that we can get a little bit of a raise and, and be more successful than gain a little bit more. But the reality is this, is that as we do that, we're losing our family. I just put my phone out here because I want you guys to know that if my daughter was to text me or my son... My wife, I'm going to take the call. As a father, as a husband, it's my responsibility to look out for them. And you know what? While it's my job to be here, it does not come before them. It does not come at the expense of them. But after all, I mean, if I'm trying to be the godly father that I'm supposed to be, my heavenly father, my father in heaven, doesn't put me on hold so that he can complete his work when I'm trying to call in on him. I don't just get focused on the job, but we can start focusing so much on the high-paying job that we start putting that, and that's where we find our success in defining ourselves as being a real man. You know, then after we have that, that good-paying job, we get the biggest house, the baddest house, and we put the best man cave in it. Because after all, after we've worked hard and we've done that, we should be able to spend that how we want to. And, and, and when we need to take a little rest, we need to get away from everything else, we need to be able to retreat to our man cave. You know, having the greatest surround sound, the biggest flat screen, you know, having it all there. That's mine. That's how I define being a real man because I can sit back and relax and I can grunt like Al Bundy. Yeah. Tim the Tool Man. You know, we, we, we can put that in and we, can, we, and we find our success and we say, well, this makes me a real man. Oh, but you know, even after that, after we found that, we get the greatest, the best wife. We get this great-looking wife, we get this great wife, and, and we expect her to serve us. It's always focused on what am I getting out of the relationship, not what I'm giving back, but what she does for me. That's defining how I'm a real man. Is she doing what I've asked her to do? Is she being submissive? After all, it does say in the Bible that a wife should submit to their husband. Wrong. We're going to get to that later. But you know what, it's, it's about, does she, is she giving me what I want? Is she, you know, is she doing the things, the chores around the house? Am I coming home to a clean house every day after she's been running the kids all around to do everything? When she's doing that for me, boy, that makes me a real man. That's, that's, that's it, and I don't help her out. You know, but maybe it's having those popular athletic kids. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of these things, people, but it's how we are focused on it. 
Having a popular and athletic kid is great, but do we find our success through them rather than them just finding their own success through what they're doing and their achievements? Because we find, that they're, we find our success through how they're performing. And when they're not performing well, we get down on them. And so then it becomes about our status of how good they are because of what, how their performance is, rather than us taking the time that they fail or they, don't, they disappoint us, to use that as a teaching moment in a loving way to build up their character and who they are. You know, being a great, being a real man means I have the best, the fastest car. Again, it's another feeling of self-indulgence because for Pete's sake, I deserve it. I'm working that high-paying job and all the hard work. And if I'm fortunate enough, I got a home on the beach. To the world, that would show us that you're a successful man. If you could have those things, that you're a successful man. But that doesn't define what a successful man is. What defines a successful man is that with inside ourselves. It's our heart. What should a real man really look like? What should a man look like? A man should look like a person that follows God's example in everything that we do. This applies to women as well. Ephesians chapter 5 is a great chapter, and it talks about the roles of what, how we're to live our lives and, and, and how we're to go on and, and to raise our children into chapter 6 and different things that we'll talk about. But this applies to us all, that if we're going to be the godly men and women, the godly men, we're going to be real men, then we need to follow God's example in absolutely everything that we do. Ephesians 5.1 says, Follow God's example in everything you do, just as a loved child imitates his father. You know, we should be so in love with our Heavenly Father that our life is a reflection of that, of His, a sacrificial love. Are we imitating that love to our families, men? Are we, are we following God's example in everything that we do and how we respond? You see, to be a real man means to follow God, not the world, in everything that we do. You know, a child will imitate his father. You know, the very things that maybe be rub are rubbing us wrong about our children, but the way they respond, the way they react, is most likely because it's a mere image of what they've seen us do. They're just reacting out of the same way. Our children, the people around us, will mirror the same exact things that we're doing. You want to know how you're doing? As a parent, look at your child. You want to know how you're doing being a man or a woman of God? Look at your children. Because the things that you're not liking about them are very much the things inside yourself that you need to change about yourself. You see, the next thing that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be full of love for others. And for men, sometimes this is hard to figure out how we're supposed to love others. Well, we love others first by learning to love God, follow his examples, by surrendering up ourselves to God for our family. And to start truly living as a true follower of Christ. Not just coming to church. Man, it's more than just coming to church with your families. I, I applaud you for being here today. And I, I wish there were more men here. But it's, it's more than that. It's more than us just coming here to, with our families to worship. It's about living a lifestyle of a true follower of Jesus Christ. That means of complete surrender. It may be surrendering some of these things on this list of the worldview of, of what it means to be a real man. We need to surrender our lives and start truly living as a true follower of Jesus Christ. 
If we're going to change the way the world is, we can post all we want to on Facebook about the, the, the demise of our country. But that's not going to change one thing. You know what's going to change it? Nations were changed on that of men that stood up on principle. And not just principle, but that of godly principle. If we're going to see our church, our community, and our nation change, it's going to take you and I men living up to being real men of God. Not worrying about what the next post that we put up there about gun control or anything else that we put out on Facebook. Because guess what? The reality is gun control doesn't matter because it's not a biblical principle. Following God is what it's going to change the world. It's going to take us to surrender ourselves to God for our family. And we start living out the message of Jesus Christ in our lives. Being full of love for others, no matter how different or how much they believe differently than us. It says, be full of love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself to God as a sacrifice to take away your sins. Are you willing to surrender yourself and sacrifice for your families, for your wives, for your children? You see, what we do today will make a difference in the generations to come. You know, this last part here is really about us, men. It's about us and how we're to really live as godly men. Are we godly men? Are we men that are honoring and respecting women? Are we real men that are honoring and respecting our wives the way that God intends it for us to live? Our worldview of, of what it is gets so skewed on the advertisements and the media of what it is and how women should be treated, and it makes me sick. We, as men, need to be showing how respect and honor of women should be. Ephesians 5, 21 lays this out so well. I recently was attending a, attending a wedding of my friend back there, Brittany, and you know, the pastor in the message uh, actually read from the message this passage I'm going to read from you from Ephesians. It says it so poetically. Now, don't get lost here. It does talk about that of women being submissive. Okay? The Bible does say that women should be submissive to their husbands. But this only comes with the, 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 the point that are we living out the life of being godly men. Because we're supposed to spiritually lead our homes, men. And this is where women should be submissive to us when we're obedient to that. And I love what it says. And so it says it so beautifully of how we're to treat our wives. But we're going to start off with Ephesians 21, chapter 5, 21. Out of respect for Christ, be courteous and reverent to one another. That means be courteous to each other. Wives, understand and support your husbands in the ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does for his church. Now catch this, men. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Wives should only submit to their husbands when we are providing leadership in the way that Christ did for his church. By cherishing her. By loving her. Husbands, it says, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. How did Christ love the church? 
I heard it. What did he do? How did he love the church? He died for it. Men, are we willing to die to ourselves, our selfish ambitions, to show our wives that we love them? It says, a love marked by giving, not getting. The worldview would say that we're supposed to get out of marriage rather than give. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does, says, is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk of radiant holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. Did you pick up on that, men? We're supposed to love our wives exactly as Christ loved the church, willing to lay down our life for it. We're supposed to love our wives in such a way and be godly men that we are willing to, to give and not get anything back in return. That we're supposed to, in everything that we say, in everything that we do, we're supposed to invoke her beauty by cherishing and asking and wanting the very best for her. You know, the next line of that was the dazzling, radiant white silk. Remember that wedding day and how you saw your bride come down the aisle wearing that wedding dress? And for me, it made me cry. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's how we should see our wives every day we wake up. It's how we should view women every day that we're around women is that we see them as future brides for some man and we need to teach them how they should be taught and be respected and loved and honored in their actions, not gawking at them. You know what? There was an article in the Fredericksburg.com this last week and it was talking about just such a thing. As a, I'm not, the man was saying he wasn't a real sexist, sexist because all men look at legs before brains. I have to disagree with that. God didn't intend for us to do that. God wants us to look at the heart of a woman and cherish her. Not to objectify her. And that's what the world is doing more and more. And I'm scared to death for my daughter. And I am committed my life to surrendering to be a godly man so that my daughter knows exactly how she's supposed to be retreated and respected as a woman. So that when she chooses a husband, she chooses a godly man that will cherish and love her and see her in dazzling white silk every day of her life. That's our job, men. It's time for us to man up. We need to be doing that. And then when we have the privilege of having children, we're supposed to teach and discipline our children in a loving manner. And what's a loving manner? A loving manner is what it says in Ephesians 6, 4. And now a word to you parents. Do not keep scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with a loving discipline the Lord himself approves of with suggestions of godly advice. Our job with our children is to teach them the way of the Lord. It's our job to teach them and show them love, not to nag them and before they grow resentful of all that we're asking them to do. You know, a good example of this is my daughter, Gracie, and I have this thing where she's supposed to do the dishes. And while she's 12, sometimes the top rack only gets four cups in it. And there's still a bunch of dishes on the counter. 
And, you know, over time, I would come home and I would say, Gracie, you didn't do these very well. Or, Gracie, the dishwasher light's on. That means that it's ready to be emptied. And there's still dishes on the counter. And, and you know what I've learned, and she's taught me this lesson well, is that I focused on that rather than focused on my relationship with her. I'm constantly nagging her about that. And, and what have she done? She's kind of grown resentful of that. And she finally had it up to here with it, and she told me, she said, Dad, why is it that when you're coming home, you're focused on that instead of saying hi to me? Ugh. Gut check. Was I teaching and disciplining my children in a loving manner? No, I was causing her to, to be resentful, and I would have to you know, discipline her by taking away something rather than seeing that, you know what, I've given her this task, I can show her how to maybe load it a little differently, but it's still hers, and she's still getting it done. Maybe just not the way that I anticipated it. Isn't that how God kind of works with us? He's got that grace with us. Why don't we have that with our children? What's it like to be a father? Are we, are we following the bad or the good examples of the fathers before us? Because, men, I know what it's like. We have generational curses of men that have not had godly examples in our lives. And we get stuck doing the same thing than the same thing that our fathers and their fathers did before them. But we have a chance today to kind of take that a different approach. We have a chance to surrender and step up to the plate and become the godly men that God intended us to be. The godly men that our families are waiting for us to be. You know, looking back, I had two dads. I had a dad and my stepfather. And sure, they had their shortcomings just as I have. But if it wasn't for them being men that actually went to church, I would have never gone to church. And I wouldn't be the man that's standing before you today preaching God's word. What does it mean to be a real man? What does it mean to be a real father? Let's, let's see if we can learn anything from watching this video. Hey kids, mom needs more help inside. Hey, how many kids do you have? Three. Three? Yeah. That is a good number. Whoa, whoa. Um, let's just concentrate on this one for now. <laughs> hey, what's it like being a dad? Mr. Clams has been sleeping for two days, Danny. Goodbye, Mr. Clams. Bye. All right, just slow down a little God, bit. Stop yelling at me. I don't think that's... <gasps> oh, okay, okay. All right, and that is why we always wear our seatbelt. And that's the birds and the bees.
Proud of you, son. Run, huh? Run, it's gonna blow! <laughs> Have I told you lately? I know, Dad. You love me. You tell me all the time. Actually, I was going to tell you I think you're beautiful inside and out. Whatever. You're disgusting. Yeah, Dad, you are disgusting. This right here goes to your future. This right here goes to you. And this right here goes to God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How much does God get? What's wrong, beautiful? Trevor broke up with me. Thank you, Lord. He's such a jerk. I, he broke up with me on a text message. just replied. Dad, I can't believe you! <laughs> Thanks, Dad. He didn't deserve you. <laughs> he didn't deserve you. One, two, Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good to us. God has the coolest job. He can make clouds all day. Yeah, he does. But I think one of his very best jobs is when he made you. Daddy. Hey, what's it like being a dad? How much time you got? What's it like being a dad? It's awesome. But it comes with a great responsibility. Dads, it comes with the, this, us becoming godly men for our children. We can do all the fun things that we want with them, take them on the greatest vacations, but if we're not teaching them about God, and about that of Jesus, then we're failing. It's time for us to man up and be real men of God. And not just dads, but real men of God. To be fathers of God. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know how to do that. Well, it starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. To follow his example. And doing that will teach you to love others because then that will teach your children to love others. And as you surrender yourself to God and his will, it will teach your children and your family how to surrender. 
And as you love and cherish your wife, it will teach your children how to love and cherish their wives or how they'll be treated as they become wives. And we teach them with loving discipline in a loving manner. I don't know about you, but it's time, I think, for us to stand up and be the real men of God. I think it's time for us to take a stand and not allow the world to determine how it is that our children are to go or how, to, how it is that we're to live anymore. And I think it's about time for us to stand up on the principles of God and to follow the words of even Moses, what he wrote in Deuteronomy. It's time for us to go that distance and be real men. You know, Moses was the leader of the Israel people as he was going through the desert and get, got the laws from God. And he was laying it out. He laid it out there for us exactly how it is we're supposed to be. The Lord your God told me to give you all these commandments which you are to obey in the land you will soon be entering. For some of us, it could be fatherhood that we're entering the land of fatherhood. For some of us men, it could be that of the area of marriage. This is where we'll live the rest of our days. The purpose of these laws is to cause you, your sons and your grandsons to reverence the Lord, your God, by obeying all of his instructions as long as you live. If you do, you will have a long life and prosperous years ahead of you. Therefore, O Israel, as Moses cries out, or maybe it's O Jason, as God speaks to me or to you, or insert your name, listen closely to each command and be careful to obey it so that you will go well, it will go well with you, and that you will have many children. If you obey these commands, you will become a great nation of glorious land flowing of milk and honey, even as God of your fathers promised you. You see, when we obey and become the men of God that we're called to be, our land of milk and honey is that of our home. It may not be the money that comes from the Department of the Treasury, but it might come from having a child that will grow up to love the Lord. A home that's surrendered. That's our land of milk and honey. Oh, Israel, listen, Jehovah is our God, Jehovah alone. You must love him with all your heart, soul, and might. And you must constantly think constantly about these commandments I'm giving you today. You must teach them to your children. Men, we're to teach this to our children. And talk about it when we're at home with them or out for a walk at bedtime or the first thing in the morning. Tie the word of God around your heart, the things of God and around your head. Wear them, them on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and serve the Lord, the Lord alone. Are you willing, men, to do that? Are you willing to sacrifice your pride this morning, to set it aside from what you're holding on to, to surrender your life to that of being a man of God? During this next song, I invite you to join me right down here so that we can be the men that our church, that our community and our country is calling us to be, that our homes are calling us to be. And let's lay it down and surrender to that of God and follow God's will. 
Now, Pastor Gay will pray for us so that when we leave here today, we're not just leaving here of hearers of the word, but we're, we're going to be doers of God's will in our families' lives. Are you willing to do that? It's up to you. It might take you stepping out of your seat and walking forward. Are you willing to do that for your families? Are you willing to surrender it all? Let us stand and worship. Spread. 